the Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1957 Sweet Smell of Success, directed by Alexander McKendrick, starring Tony Curtis and Burt Lancaster. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Um, I got out to the theater and I saw Get Out. Oh, okay. Yeah, How that, was that? Oh, it's excellent, man. Uh, one of the... Uh, one of the coolest horror movies that, that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And of course it's, it's a horror movie that is actually, um, about, you know, a lot, a lot more elevated themes. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone should see it. Cause I mean, I, I'm really excited for the, the directing career of Jordan Peele. This is, this is a, yeah. a stunning debut. Really. Yeah. I've heard good things about it. Yeah. I didn't know it was a horror movie yes. actually. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. I'll check it out. Right. I watched a movie called Inferno. It's based on the Dan Brown novel. Okay. It's the uh, Robert Langdon trilogy, the sure, the, the Vinci Hanks. Code. Yeah, it's the Tom Hanks movies uh-huh. directed by Ron Howard. Yeah. This is the third one. It was okay. Mm-hmm. It was what I expected. So, yeah. I mean, it was okay. That's that's my review of it, basically. <laughs> it's more it a, the same. Giving it a C plus. Huh? It's more of the same. Yeah. And my girlfriend had read the book, so sh- and they changed some stuff, so sure. she was mad. Right. So... That's what happens. That is that Which, is always what happens. Yep, especially with generic material. I know. So, um, if you like those movies, go ahead and watch <laughs> it. If not, don't. Right. So, <laughs> let's talk about Sweet Smell of Success, Dave. Yeah. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Okay, so this is another of the the classic American cinema. Um, it's it's uh, something everyone should see. It's one of the essentials. And what it is is a uh, movie about a very powerful columnist in New York in the fifties who back then, you know, these guys were really in charge of the country. They could make or break you, including politicians, actors and actresses, whoever was, you know, in the public eye, your career was made and unmade by uh, people like J.J. Hunsicker, which Mm -hmm. is Burt Lancaster's character. And surrounded by these columnists are press agents who were trying to get their clients' names into the, the... the columnist columns mm-hmm. um, to try to, you know, jumpstart their careers and uh, they will do anything to do it. And, you know, including doing underhanded things and uh, yeah, we yeah. will get into it. So let's do this. Yeah. It's a shady world here. This New York city. That's man. right. It's a dirty um, town. It's filthy, man. <laughs> especially with Sidney Falco running around. Absolutely. Tony Curtis plays Sidney Falco. Yeah. He's one of these press agents and, um, I forgot. Mm. What's he worried about at the beginning of this movie? Something he tried to get in to mm-hmm. the paper didn't get in. Right. He tried to get into J- JJ's, JJ's column didn't get in. JJ is like pushing him out of his circle. Yeah. Um, is it because of his sister or something? Yeah, it's because okay. he did not break up his sister's uh, romance. Right. Yep. JJ has a younger sister named Susie. Susan Harrison is yeah. the, the Susan actress. Susan Harrison plays, the, plays, the, plays Susie. And... Like, J.J. is unhealthily obsessed with his sister. Uh-huh. She lives with him in his penthouse, and he's very paternalistic toward her, and he, for whatever reason, wants her all to himself. Maybe because yeah. it's his only family? I don't know. Uh, maybe because he has unspoken, incestuous desires for her? It's yeah. it's really hard to say. Mm-hmm. But it's gross. It is. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you brought it up, because that's one thing I wanted to talk about. Is okay. Definitely his control of his sister it's if anyone's seen the 80s Scarface, it's Tony Montana. It man, is, yes. Without the t- machine gun. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, it's a typewriter instead. <laughs> but 
Yeah, like you said, it's incestuous almost. Yeah. He has this tight grip around her throat, basically, right. controlling her. Right. It's verbal abuse. It's mind control. Mm-hmm. He never hits her or anything. No. But he's basically molding her mind into the for, for her to do what he wants. Yes. Um, he can't let her go. And he's always, I mean, like, when he talks to her, it's it's almost like, it's it's fatherly, but it's it's in that that really, um, I guess, domineering fatherly way. Yeah, um, it's almost condescending in ways, yes, and totally. yeah, like, go ahead and speak your mind. Ugh. Say what's on your mind. Susie's free to say whatever no. she likes. Yeah, that's exactly what he says, right? Yeah. She's free to say whatever she likes, right, Susie? Uh, no, dude, you yeah. better say what JJ wants. <laughs> exactly, yeah, because yeah, JJ's in charge of, of this household and this town. God. Yeah. And he's got a picture of her on his desk. Have you oh, seen, yeah. Like, oh. Yeah, I know, that's it's, so it's terrible. Not a, <laughs> it's not a portrait you would have of your daughter no. or your sister. <laughs> like you said, he's very paternal, so like having a picture yeah. of your daughter. This is like a glamour shot of your wife you would have. <laughs> like this is It's not a normal like this it's is your kid sister. It's yeah. as if he's in love with her. I know. Like that's oh. Yeah. That little detail is just like god, this guy's a slime ball. <laughs> And it's very prominent there in two scenes. Like, you're just looking at it, you're going... It's facing where he, you know, like, sits, and you're just kind of going, oh, uh-huh. what are you doing, JJ? Why do you have that? Right, and he's so overprotective. Like you said, the the driving thing of the movie is her being in love with Steve, yes. the guitar player guy, right? who JJ wants to just break up. So he gets Sydney to do it for him. Yep. Um, And staying on JJ real quick, his control, like, there's a great scene with Steve and Susie and... They're talking about her coat that she has. Yeah. I really like this scene because he's putting it over her shoulders and he's like, this coat is your brother gave you. I always hated this coat. And it's like, <laughs> it's kind of like JJ being wrapped around her, you yes, know, you're right. on her shoulders, just totally am, like covering her and smothering her. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very symbolic of what JJ is doing to her. And Steve hates the coat. Right. He hates JJ. Like <laughs> it was a really good scene. I loved it. No, so that's right. one more thing about JJ. You're right. It's it's a great metaphor mm-hmm. for JJ's control is this coat that's wrapped around her uh-huh. at all times. Yeah, and you know, like so so Sydney is uh, he's ambitious and he he consider he talks about how like JJ is one of his best friends, but but the way JJ deals with him is is of you know an underling at best. Yeah, um, you can tell that they have a relationship that goes way back, but like JJ is so contemptuous of him just like he is with everybody else. Yeah. Um even people who are who, who he would maybe define as his friends are not his friends. Mm-hmm. They they're, they're just, you know, more pawns for him to move around. It's, it's weird because they're they're talking about JJ for the first 25 minutes of the movie. Yeah, you don't Susie see him. And mm-hmm. and you know, Sydney and everybody else and you don't see him and then when you finally do see him, like Sydney goes into the 21 club and he sees JJ's table, and instead of going over to JJ's table, he goes into the back into a phone booth and calls the phone at JJ's table. This is how like hard it is to get an audience with this man. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they still do that at twenty one. If they everybody has a phone at their table I mean, with cell phones, probably not. Yeah. But um, the the idea that that this this is someone that you work with and that you like apparently deal with on a regular basis has you have to do all of go through all of this just to get. Uh, uh, to to have words with him is yeah. is pretty unbelievable. Yeah, it's a great scene to introduce JJ Hunsecker yeah. because you actually see like the power he has 
And like you said, for 25 minutes, we've been talking about JJ. Yes. And we haven't seen him yet. Right. You know, <laughs> we are like, well, who's this JJ guy? Everybody's <laughs> so concerned with. Uh huh. And he's sitting there at the table and he's just, you know, commanding the yeah. conversation. Right. And he's got a senator there with him, uh, some some other hotshot with a young actress or yeah, something. Yeah, some talent manager. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, he's basically just telling them what's what. Yeah. Like, you think people are going to see you, a senator out here with this young, you know, <laughs> actress and not bat an eyelid? <laughs> yeah. He he can see everything for what it is, actually. You're right. Mm-hmm. He sees everything. Mm-hmm. Like, like he, he, is, he is very... He's streetwise and he's really smart. And... Like the whole thing of, of revealing that, I mean, he's being really nasty to Manny Davis, the, the talent manager. Yeah. Like throughout the whole conversation. And it's kind of the, the end of that scene is when he finally just looks at the senator and says, you think people don't know what's going on here? Uh-huh. We're sitting here in in uh, where, where any hep person knows that that one is toting that one around for you. Yep. And the camera goes from from yes. the talent guy to the actress yes. to the senator. It's yes. a really cool uh, choice and <laughs> shot there. I love that. It's a great effect. Uh huh. Um, and this is and like Sydney comes up to the table. I guess JJ told him to come. I'm not sure. I don't JJ, remember how JJ. He just intrudes, kind of. Yeah, because JJ told him on the phone, "You're dead, son. Get yourself buried." Uh huh. And uh, Sydney decides to defy those uh, that command and comes up anyway. And when he whispers into JJ's ear, I got news about your sister, that's when JJ kind of acquiesces and goes, okay, yeah, go ahead and sit down. Yep, he sits down there, and he's kind of next to him, but behind him, too. He's behind JJ. Right. JJ's the one still in control. Yeah. And there's a great, you know, uh, JJ starts talking about the acting and the many faces you put on and stuff, (laughs) and says Sidney is the greatest actor of all, (laughs) and all his faces are terrible. (laughs) And stuff like that, because, you know, he's just this slimy guy yeah. who's going to say what he's got to say and do what he's got to do just to get one step ahead, uh-huh. you know, to get that success, sure. that sweet smell of success, man. His favorite perfume. Yeah, his new favorite perfume, success. <laughs> <laughs> um, and after saying all that stuff, he gets a cigarette out and says, match me, Sydney. And Sydney <laughs> Falco sits there and you're like, well, is he going to light a cigarette? And right. he goes... Not right this minute, JJ. And it oh, it really just underlines this animosity they have towards each other. Of course. Yeah, like their relationship is defined in that moment. Yeah, like you said, you, you think Sydney's going to do it, but like he shows a little bit of backbone in that moment of yep. like, okay, m- maybe I won't take this humiliation just yeah. this minute. And I think that's why JJ actually likes him, because sure. he's not afraid to push. Right. right. Even though he's still, you know gonna do what he says mm-hmm. he still has the power in the relationship exactly but he knows like if he sends sydney to do something he's gonna do what he's gotta do he's not gonna back off no because sydney needs jj more than jj needs sydney of yeah. course i mean yeah. like like their relationship is symbiotic but but it's definitely jj has the upper hand in any situation mm-hmm. and they've known each other for a long time since they were yes. kids i guess uh well i, I don't know or so- it's for a long time. Like the the way the way Sydney deals with Susie, it seems like he's known Susie since she was a kid. So yeah, so maybe yeah. their relationship goes back ten years or so. Okay, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and after and all, Susie's this time, nineteen in the yeah, film. Yeah, Susie's nineteen. So. Right. Okay. And uh, we should say also that that JJ is based on the real life figure of Walter Winchell. Okay. Um, he was a, uh, a a columnist whose life very closely parallels this movie and his manner. Um, and he, he went after people all the time on his TV show and in his column. Um, if he didn't like somebody, it could be a president. Um, and mm-hmm. he was going to, to you know, do what he could to uh, 
unmask their corruption or even maybe not even their, their corruption. If he just didn't like someone and he, he was also like, I mean, his, his contemporaries were like Roy Cohn and Joe McCarthy. Every, anybody who was involved in like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the HUAC, he was all down with it. He was all, it was all stars and stripes and anti-commie and everything. Um, he was as bad as JJ Hunsicker was probably worse because it was in real life. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. These, these newspaper guys, dude, <laughs> They control everything. I know. Ugh. Yeah, it, and it's it's really it hasn't changed today either with like you know just media figures who, you know who are there to, I mean they're, they're supposedly there to help us the people as the fourth estate and keep government and business in check and be hold people accountable. But instead they just get into bed with them and they mm-hmm. you know and in the fifties they would use something as disgusting as McCarthyism to settle personal scores mm-hmm. like JJ does in this movie. Man. Um, so we've touched on kind of some of the, the dialogue of the film. Yeah. I really love this like snappy, quick dialogue sure. they got going film here. Film noir stuff. Yeah, yeah it's classic good stuff. shit. I got some of my favorites I wrote down, man. Cool. There's a, a part when uh, Tony Curtis is walking into the club and someone comes out and is like saying, hey, you never did that thing for me even though I'm paying you. Yeah. Um, so after at the end of this, he's like, if you're funny, James, I'm a pretzel. <laughs> Drop dead. <laughs> I love the drop dead. The drop the dead. I, it's it's <laughs> yeah. Because back then you couldn't say fuck you. No, exactly, you know? <laughs> exactly. You had to say, you had to tell someone to die. <laughs> I love it. It's a relic of its time. Yeah, exactly. it's great. Um, then there's the cats in the bag and the bags in the river. One That's a good favorites. one. Yes. That's a really good one. No doubt. <laughs> and then the match me. I love that. Sure. And uh, how many drinks does it take to put you in the tropical island mood? What a bastard. I loved that one. Oh yeah. <laughs> That scene's great. Um, yeah. He uses Rita mm-hmm. to get his way. Right. Oh, God. Of all the bad shit Sydney pulls, um, making Rita like prostitute herself for that gross old man, yep. Otis Elwell, is the worst. Yeah. Rita's a, a cigarette girl at, mm-hmm. at the club that I guess, you know. One of the clubs yeah, that, that he they frequent. Sydney's been, you know, in and out of bed with her, you know, sure. something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So they have, on again, yeah. off again. So he tells Rita to come over. Actually, she asked him yep. if her, his key's still under the door, and he right. says, come over at 2.30. Sure. And then he uses that to his advantage, because throughout the night, events unfold, and he's like, hey, I can use this, because he'll do whatever he has to do. And that's the opportunity there, so he's going to take it. It's so dirty. Yeah, so he tells Otis, who's, I guess, another one of these column guys. He's another columnist, yeah. He's like, how about if I give you something good and bad? Like, so he's like, okay. <laughs> so Otis goes with them back to his apartment and Rita's expecting just Sydney to show up. Yeah. No, but Otis is on his tail. Wow. And he convinces Rita, even though she's objecting to it, mm-hmm. that she should do this and stop being so selfish. Right. Yeah. Wow. I'm doing you a favor. Yeah. It's a lot like Rob Lowe, actually, from Wayne's World last week. You know, he'll <laughs> yeah, do whatever he's yeah, got to exactly. do. He is Benjamin. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Benjamin was based on Sidney Falco. <laughs> they look very much alike, They kind of do, yeah. I mean, oh, slick hair do. and really beautiful faces. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I loved it. And Rita just goes along with it eventually. She has really she, no choice in the matter. She doesn't want to. Right. You can see it in mm-hmm. her face. But she, she pours herself that drink and... <laughs> she's ready to go and there's some weird thing where otis is like i know i've seen you before yeah. and she's like playing it off like no right no and then after sydney leaves she's like it was palm springs two years ago <laughs> god oh <laughs> so i guess did she sleep with him then she did wow and and otis like 
that what what's really disgusting about the whole thing, other than just the situation itself, yeah. is that that Otis, this really off-putting, white-haired, mustachioed jackass, mm-hmm. doesn't remember Rita quite. You know, yeah. like that, that he's like been with this many women. Yeah. Um, you know, boy, the world was a shit place. That many, you know, blonde bombshells exactly. have been in his bed. Yes, yes. Because God he's using his power to get what he wants. I hate this. Yeah. You know, I just... <laughs> I never even thought of that. Right. Until now. Like, God, yeah, this guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he's almost as bad as Sydney. Yes, he, he is. Ugh. Oh, he, he definitely is as bad as... Everyone is as bad as everyone else. Um, yeah, they, they're all terrible people. Right. Except for, like, the one... Um, it's my favorite non-JJ sequence in the film. It's it's that same night, um, and it's just before Rita's scene where mm-hmm. she has to be with Otis. It's it's at one of the other clubs. Sydney, as part of the plan to help break up Susie and Steve, he's going to plant a smear in someone else's column about Steve. Yeah, a smear that he smokes marijuana. He smokes marijuana and is a communist. Yeah, 1957. And holy shit. Damn, you don't want to yeah, do that. Y- 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 you are done. <laughs> Um, and he, uh, <laughs> he goes up to one of the, a columnist that he knows who actually, the, the reason that Rita was going to be fired from her job as a cigarette girl was because the club owner was afraid of this other columnist, Leo, who I guess flirted with Rita and tried to get her back into his apartment. Right. And she rejected interviewed him to him. interview yeah, him. Interviewed uh, her at 11 a.m. He was doing a <laughs> Sunday piece on cigarette girls, you know? <laughs> uh, so... Sydney walks up to Leo, and Leo is with his wife in this club, and he's th- pretty much threatening to yeah, like he's blackmailing. He's blackmailing. Him. And he mm-hmm. said, "I'm going to tell your wife about the cigarette girl unless you plant this item in your column." And it goes back and forth, you know. Um, yeah. His his wife, Leo's wife, is uh, Loretta, is like looking at the paper, like trying to find horses to to bet on, and um, finally, when Leo has had enough and he decides that he can't take the situation anymore, he does a very decent thing mm-hmm. for a man of his ilk anyway. Yeah. He tells his wife, here's what's happening. This man is trying to blackmail me in order to keep his mouth shut about a cigarette girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I was flirting with her. I was doing some bad stuff. And I'm very sorry that this happened. He, he honorably tells his wife that he yeah. has done this. Mm-hmm. And then he tells Sydney, you go ahead and tell JJ what just happened here. And you tell him what I think of him. And he says that he runs a good, clean column, and that's the way it stays. Never man, never mind my bilious private life. Mm-hmm. And his wife is a very smart woman. She may someday leave Leo over this kind of crap, yeah. but she can at least respect him for this moment where he was honest and forthright, and he, she knows that he's a professional man of journalism, mm-hmm. and she tells him, you know, Leo, this is the first clean thing I've seen you do in years. Yep. And I wrote that down. Good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Um, I didn't expect that. No. Which was cool. Mm-hmm. And then and then immediately after this is when he goes, he sees Otis yes, at the other table. That's right. And takes his little smear thing over there. So. <laughs> and Otis prints the smear naturally. Oh, yeah, because he's got his blonde. Exactly. He, he was given this payola in the form of Rita. Disgusting. It really is. Um, so Steve is the the guy that Susie's in love with. He's the only like honest man in the whole movie. You're right. And I can see why Susie loves this dude. They're in love, man. They're good people. Susie's yeah. a good person, too. Yeah. They're the only two good people. Both of them. <laughs> uh, I love the beginning when you first see Steve meet Susie in the alley. Yeah. They're saying, let's get married. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And Sydney comes out and like interrupts them, kind of. 
and Steve tells him that he needs to stop snooping on him. Yeah. And if he needs something to come to him like a man. Right. And Sydney has this look on his face like, what did you say to me? <laughs> like, Sydney has maybe some kind of issue with um, maybe being belittled. Because he thinks he's hot shit. Yeah. And when he's put in his place, he can't take it. He I doesn't mean, want it. He's always posing as like the equal of JJ. And when someone unmasks him, kind of, it just stops his brain. Yeah. Um, he doesn't know what to do. And, and yeah, you're right. Like in, in, in a situ- in a, in a business like this and in a town like that, like that is that it, it could drive you to suicide. Right. And the movie's sweet smell of success. Mm-hmm. He wants to not be in this spot. He yes. wants more. He wants the best. I think he even says something like the best of everything will be fine with me. He does. That's exactly what he says. Yeah. I can yeah. settle for the best. <laughs> <laughs> says it in some ironic way. Yeah. It's great. That's right. Um, um, and JJ later, like Steve can conf- JJ and Sydney are together, like at the theater and Steve's there to apologize or thank them for some reason. Yeah. And he keeps grouping Sydney and JJ together. Like, I thank you guys or JJ and Sydney. I appreciate what you've done for me. Mm-hmm. And Sydney is happy to be in the company at the same level as JJ. Yes. And JJ says, why are you including Sydney with me? Mm. Yeah, because he wants Sydney right in his place. <laughs> and Steve keeps saying, putting them together. I mean, they're both equally as slimy as the other. I know. And and JJ considers himself just not only above Sydney, but he thinks of himself as this paragon of virtue as well. Oh, God. He doesn't know that he's evil. He's oblivious. Yes. And that scene, it's, it's at the TV studio where JJ's uh, TV show is happening, and he's rehearsing for it to begin with. And then when Steve shows up, it's after the smear has been in Elwell's column. Uh-huh. And... Uh, JJ had like in at Susie's request had gotten Steve his job back at the club mm-hmm. and told the club owner, Hey, that there's nothing to the smear. Everything's fine. And Sydney tells JJ that Steve is not going to take that favor. He's going to come in here and he's going to confront you and he's going to throw it back in your face. And like JJ is so shrewd and so like manipulative and conniving that he, he actually does kind of dare Steve into telling him, Hey, screw you. I don't, I don't want this favor. Mm hmm. And it's in that scene, too, where where Steve gets to have his best speech in the movie, where Mm -hmm. he tells J.J. what all of us would like to tell every CNN and Fox News and everyone, every other, you know, media member, um, what we think of them, that he's a national disgrace. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to what he's doing. You're a phony. You're nothing. Your patriotics are shit. Get the fuck out of here. We don't need you. I would love for that to happen to everyone in that position. Right. Yeah, you know? it, it feels good. It does. Because no one else in this movie's doing it. No. And Everyone's it, just like clamoring for his attention. Yep. And Steve sees it for what it is. And because he loves his JJ's little sister. Yes. And sees how controlling he is. He's like, you can't you can't do this. He's taking a stand because yeah. Susie won't. Exactly. And, and there's that moment where like Steve and JJ are kind of looming over Susie and like Steve is saying, come on, uh, sweetheart, you know, like, like, go ahead and tell him, you know, and yeah. JJ's like is saying the same thing, but it has a completely different tinge to it because right. it's, it's not out of love. It's what you said already. Like, yeah, she can say whatever she wants. <laughs> God. Yeah, Th- this is that scene. And yeah. man. Oh, man. Have you ever wanted to strangle someone so bad? But, I, exactly. Oh. I know. And, and and you want Steve to do it. Yeah. Um, what, what he, he does it in, in the other way, which is to actually tell J.J. what he thinks of him. And in a great moment of Burt Lancaster acting, mm-hmm. when this moment happens and Steve makes this speech, 
if you watch it again and watch Burt Lancaster's face, you know how fearsome he looks in every scene? Right. His mouth starts to downturn, like, into an actual frown. Wow. Like, like you know, like, he is really kind of, like, being affected by these words. Like, because no one has said this to J.J. in his life. And maybe at that moment, J.J.'s realizing it's true. He, like, There's got to be something to this. Maybe he has some kind of remorse for doing these things. Sure. For a split second. Right, right. Man, that's good acting. It really <laughs> is. <laughs> I, I, would, I would say, like, I love Tony Curtis in this, but yeah. Lancaster steals the show he's this is a legendary mm-hmm. acting performance uh-huh. i mean like like th- there are a few like american movie tough guy performances that are better than this it's really good he is like just born to play jj hunsaker he's he's dark and fierce and intimidating mm-hmm. physically and uh, i mean if a guy that big and that right. powerful was this guy no one could lay a glove on him. right and then the end of the scene JJ succeeds. He does. Like Susie stays on his side. Right. Because she's so fearful of what's going to happen. Yep. If she speaks her mind. Yeah. Or goes with Steve. Her life as she knows it, like, her, her, would be the end of any comfort that she has. Yeah. So she decides to break it off with Steve because of this. Yes. And wow. I didn't expect it. I expected this is the big moment when she finally stands up to her big brother. Right. And, and goes off with Steve. Mm-hmm. No. Doesn't happen. No. She stays in fear. <laughs> it, it, man. And then and then it leads to the, the end of the movie yeah. where, you know, she's going to commit suicide, which is well, some great stuff. For and, your... uh, and like and like you said that the, the whole thing of, of how you expected Susie to stand up to JJ in this scene and then it doesn't happen. I guess really in the end, Susie proves herself as maybe the smartest person in the situation. She kind of masterminds this whole, like she takes advantage of Sydney's ambition uh-huh. and places a call to Sydney at a club saying, JJ wants to see you at his, at his penthouse. Right. Get over here right away. So Sydney's going to take that call. Yep. Um, he comes over. JJ's not home. Susie is there and she... Like you said, does this whole suicide thing. Yep. She's there in her nightgown. Yeah. You know, kind of revealing a little bit. Sure. And she says she's going to kill herself. And Tony Curtis just goes off, not believing her, running his mouth. Yeah. Like, go ahead and do it. Yeah. Do it. No Say- one cares. Saying or, a bunch of cruel yeah. shit Yeah, he's being vile. Yeah. And she closes the door to her bedroom where the balcony is, and he's like, all of a sudden, like, Oh, shit. This might be serious. She's actually gonna jump. Right. And he runs around to the balcony, and as she's about to leap off, he grabs her and keeps her from doing it. Mm-hmm. She was actually gonna do it. Yeah. Like you said, it's a big mastermind plan. Right. But I guess it is, but I think she actually was gonna jump. I, she, she she went she over halfway, halfway over. over the thing. I know. <laughs> yeah, she was gonna hang there like, like in the rock, or she was going down. Yeah. But then after this point, it kind of works out in her favor also, because yep. then Sydney is there... With Susie, and she's in the bed, and he's there, and they're all frazzled. Yes. And then Burt Lancaster comes home, and it's like, what is going on in here? <laughs> Why is Susie in this bed with you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then he calls the cops on Sydney, says a bunch of crap happened. He's blaming everything that happened in the film on Sydney. That's right. To the police. Totally turns on him. To the corrupt police. Yes. Who are to, in JJ's pocket. To Harry Kello, who had just gotten done beating up Steve after Sydney had planted reefers on him. Yep. Um, Put him yeah. in the hospital. Put him in the hospital. Yep. And then uh, Sydney runs out 
After being like like beat up by Burt Lancaster. Oh as yeah, well. Burt man gives him some smacks. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, she, he those are on. some powerful oh, hits. Th- 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 those those huge hands <laughs> flying those, through the air. God, <laughs> like ham hocks. I know, like, dude. <laughs> but uh, yeah, little Tony Curtis goes flying across the room, dude. But, it's just like yeah. these backhands. It's <laughs> right. excellent. Yeah, really cool. <laughs> so he flees and ends up getting gunned down in the street. I, well, he doesn't well, get he, shot. Yeah, he, he, gets, he gets he gets like the the Harry Kello, the 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 cop. Yeah, like the got the cop who's in JJ's payroll. Um, like finds him and beats him up some more and takes him away. Okay, and and then JJ, thinking he's won. Uh huh. Um watches as Susie walks out of the room, not in a nightgown anymore, but she's dressed and she's got a a suitcase. She's going to go be with Steve. She managed to, I guess, fix Sydney. uh, Take care of that problem. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Got, got that one taken care of. And now she's going to defy JJ because she knows like that he's powerless. Mm -hmm. Um, she, he tries to stand in her way. He tries to do what he normally does. And she just keeps sidestepping him. And then in the ultimate way to injure him, Tells him, I should hate you for what you've done to me, but I don't. I just pity you. Mm-hmm. Like, a man like yep. JJ, uh, you, the, the, the only way to ever do any damage to him is to actually get inside his brain. Right. And reveal the, the, the little boy that he truly is. Right. Open his eyes to what his reality really is. Right. Not what he thinks it is or yes. what he thinks of himself. Yes. Because, yeah, he's... I mean, he has this power mm-hmm. and stuff, but he's really just afraid of losing control. Right. And you know what? He just lost it. It's it, And that's why Steve's speech affects him so much, because in the, in the scene that follows when him and Sydney are at the tw- are at the club again, when Sydney is like telling him like like J.J. first says, I want that boy taken apart. Yeah. And Sydney like tries to talk him out of it, saying, hey, look, J.J., what do, what do you care? He's just some schmuck, you know? Uh-huh. And J.J., like gives another great speech about how if you had any morals, Sydney, you'd understand what that boy's stand was what was about today. Mm-hmm. It wasn't me he criticized; it was my readers. <laughs> That's right, he did say. You know, <laughs> yeah, it was my readers. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, holy crap, dude! You you really think this highly of yourself? Yeah. Because your legions were attacked today. I mean, JJ. <laughs> you know, this is, what an ass yes yes so you got so you're not you're not just this man you are 60 million people in the greatest country in the world according to you yeah wow yeah wow dude <laughs> i didn't even think of that yeah oh, good stuff <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean we just described the end of the movie basically we did yeah um <laughs> Which was a good ending. I like yeah. it. It, it. It was yeah. It was one of the greatest endings because like it's it's all just coming together and it's all taking place kind of you know like compartmentalized in this one area. Right. Man, it's really the movie's probably only takes place over the course of three or four days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really quick. Yeah. Man, this movie moves. It does. It I is know. kinetic. Right. <laughs> the dialogue is fast. Right. It's quick, snappy, smart. The editing is great. Yes. Uh, the camera is moving. The the camera work is great in this. I movie. know, and the, and with that dark, smoky New York City on it, location, yeah, mm-hmm. it's nice. Yep, it's good looking. Right, it's 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 classic noir American film, mm-hmm. and uh, like when, when when you, 
I, I've talked before about like when people satirize, you know, uh, like stuff in cartoons or maybe just in, in sitcoms or whatever. Like this is where they're taking it from mm-hmm. is this kind of stuff. Yep. I mean, like J.J. And, and J.J. Hunsaker and Sidney Falco, while being fictional characters, they're the kind of fictional characters who have who have become like part of business lexicon. Uh, people will just talk about like, oh, yeah, that guy's a real J.J. Hunsaker. You know, mm-hmm. like, like it's just, yeah. you know, like like they exist. Yeah. Like a Gordon Gecko. Exactly. Like, Yes. I feel, I think, I read something that Charlie Sheen in that movie is based on Sidney yes. Falco. Yes. Is that true? It is. Okay, wow. Um, in fact, when you watch Wall Street, several several uh, lines of dialogue are repeated from Sweet Smell of Success. Okay. Uh, John C. McGinley tells Charlie Sheen, go thou and sin no more. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like, you know, J.J. tells the senator. Um, that, that stuff like that all over the place. And and like like Bud Fox manipulating the scene like, like, you know, going around New York and, and trying to, like, you know, get things done. I mean, it's very Sidney Falco. Yeah. And mm-hmm. J.J. Hunsicker being this fatherly uh, friend who who is a, a man of influence is, of course, Gordon Gecko. Yeah. You know, it, the, the the themes are, are almost, you know, like, definitely Oliver Stone has seen Sweet Smell and Success a time or two. I'm sure he has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else? Um, Jeez. I, I, I've... There's another movie that I've wanted to do for a long time. I mean, like, I, I really... I have such respect and such love for this movie. Um, I've seen it, I don't know how many times. Um, like, I, I was so glad when you had a list of quotes, uh-huh. you know, because yeah. I, I was thinking to myself, yeah, I, I, I really hope that, that, like, this dialogue has the effect on you that it had on me because, uh-huh. I mean, geez, it, it's hard-boiled and it's so quotable. Um, I, I, I can't believe it isn't stolen from a lot more than it is. Yeah, I mean, I've never heard any of these quotes actually, mm, just okay. in in conversation or talk, yeah. just in pop culture in general. Really, right, right? I don't know. Has this movie been kind of forgotten? Well, it's. I mean, it's it's definitely in the Library of Congress as one of those. You know, yeah. I mean, it's culturally an, significant. It's movies. considered yeah. important and yes. a great film, right. but I guess it's not in pop culture like like it, like Casablanca is it's, or something. Exactly. You know? It's it's not. I mean, and and that's the weird thing about stuff like Casablanca. You know, mm-hmm. being kind of so popular and everything. I. I have a feeling that like a lot of people haven't even seen it, you know, like, like it's yep. just, it's just this ubiquitous, you know, like it's, it's the classic movie. Yeah. You know, the only time I've ever seen this one referred to as such is, is, is in Rain Man. Um, in one of the early scenes, they're watching it, <laughs> you know, but it's really? just in the background. Yeah. Um, that's the only <laughs> time I remember seeing it being referenced though. It's been a while since I've seen Rain Man. Okay. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. I did watch Casablanca this weekend though. Okay, good. For the first time ever. Oh, you, oh, is that right? Yeah, remember, oh. it's been on my list for okay. ages, and All right. I finally did it. Well, excellent. I've now seen the Maltese Falcon, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah. We're getting up there now. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we're important. <laughs> People can trust us exactly. now. Exactly, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, bogey. Yes. Good stuff. Um, I yeah, mean, th- this movie is great. Oh, it I is. I really liked it. Yeah, I, 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 I love this, and I, and I, I just, I, I, I guess really, too, the, the, what, what, what I love most about it is, is how... Like just like every bad protagonist, it kind of like Jerry Lundegaard in Fargo. Every time things, every time shit starts to go bad, Sidney makes a new plan. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. just he's always got an angle. Yeah, he's got something up his sleeve, yep. no matter what. That's right. And he's, man, he's always at a different place, mm-hmm. talking to a different person. I know, and always pulling his angle <laughs> all the time. He's always on. I know. Yeah. And I, and I, I can't imagine having to live that life. I could never survive it. But you know, I'm glad that. Well, I'm not glad that Sydney's out there. But but um, I I kind of in in a weird way admire their their pluck and their their you know 
their knowledge of the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. Great performances. Yes. Everything about it's great. I know. Yeah. So yeah, it is, this is a great movie, everybody. Yeah. Check uh, it out. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to touch on before we wrap up? Um, no, I, I, I think that we've, uh, you know, like, like given this movie, it's due, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's respect. And I'll say it for the 50th time. Everybody see this movie. Yeah. Oh man. And like the big jazz trumpet music that the <laughs> score it's, we can't skip that. It's unmistakable, man. Yeah. I know. You're right. Yeah. Oh, man. It's 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 Dragnet and Casablanca yeah. and everything else, like, it just, just kind of thrown in here. And and then, too, like, oh, dude, I, I didn't recognize it until I saw it this time. Okay. The, one of the... One of the um, moments where, where Steve is he's with the Chico Hamilton quintet Chico Hamilton and Fred Katz were real jazz musicians uh-huh. in the 50s he's playing a riff on his guitar that was in Boogie Nights really yeah um wow it's when Dirk as Eddie Adams first comes home from the club and he's like getting ready for bed and he's looking at his posters on the wall stand there yeah, in his underwear. yeah yeah that's the song yeah it was wow. in, it was in there yeah that's awesome <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> cool yep I didn't notice it till now Okay. Um, would you recommend the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, wow. This is this is a, if you if you like if you like film noir if you like great dialogue and I don't mean stupid snappy you know unlikely dialogue I mean real you know this is I hope this is how people talked in the fifties because holy shit right. you know <laughs> uh, but yeah see this movie this is how the worst people in the fifties talk <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I'd recommend it too right it's a great noir uh huh it looks great. Visually, it's amazing, and Tony Curtis and Burt Lancaster, they just blow it away. They do, yeah. When they are in scenes together and separately. <laughs> uh, it's amazing performances from both of them. Right. So, yeah, I definitely would recommend this. So, that wraps up the show. If you like what you heard, please subscribe in iTunes, rate it, review it, and most of all, share it. It gets more dudes listening to the dudes. Hashtag Dude Army. We don't use that hashtag personally. It's not really a thing. It's just a thing. It was kind of a joke. I know. We just keep saying it like it's a, you know. (laughs) It's not really catching on. I think someone used it once. Oh, is that uh, right? Yeah, that was good. Okay. So we made it. We had a hashtag work. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, or go anywhere else you find a podcast. And, you know, we're on there, too. Uh Or go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything you need right there. Yes, and we are on Facebook and Twitter. Look for us there. Mm -hmm. Just uh, search Dudes on Movies. And we have an email address, dudesonmovies at gmail.com. Please drop us a line. Yeah, talk to us about film noir. Yeah. Tell us what's your favorite. That's right. That's what we want to know. So stay tuned next week when we do 1960s Breathless, directed by Jean-Luc Godard. This is a classic. Yes. So until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time. Yeah.